Hello and welcome to The Point of Everything. Today on the show are Dublin-based band Crowhammer, a three-piece who put out their debut album Volume 1, Tales from Vertexia, on Bandcamp on New Year's Day 2023. Bobby Corcoran, Ivan DC and Tom Parks only decided to do so, they say during our chat, two days beforehand as they'd been sitting on the album for so long. About eight and a half years, give or take a year or two maybe. Well, they're ready to start recording album number two, so they decided to finally release it into the world. Let's listen to some of the opening track, Radiant Silver Gun, give you a little bit of a sense of the album, and then I'll tell you a little bit more about Tales from Vertexia. So Crowhammer's accompanying explainer to the album reads, Volume 1, Tales from Vertexia, is the debut narrative-driven concept album from Crowhammer. In a far-off galaxy, an evil wizard has unleashed a deadly virus on the planet Vertexia. The only hope in developing a cure lies in travelling to the wizard's home planet in order to take a sample of blood from the mythical Space Eagle. The Vertexians developed a new spaceship known as the Radiant Silver Gun, which is capable of travelling vast distances of space quickly. The Outlander, the hero of our tale, the only person capable of piloting the Radiant Silver Gun, blasts off into space on their desperate quest to save the denizens of Vertexia. It's ridiculous in the best way possible, mining Kraut, Prog, Stoner and Space Rock together as you try and pull apart the concept behind the album. It's only seven tracks long, but you have a seven minute one, two nine minute tracks and an 11 and a half minute song as well. So there's plenty of bang for seven of your books on Bandcamp. It was recorded and mixed by Ian Chestnut at Gorilla Sound Studios on the north side of Dublin, where Crowhammer have a space. That's where I chatted to them in mid-January with the dart going by overhead in case you're wondering what the banging is, that bum 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 bum. That comes in a couple of times over the course of this episode. The first time when I was listening back, I was like, what is that sound? I don't remember anybody like banging their legs, you know, as if they're playing the drums or something. What is that sound? It took me a while to remember that, oh yes, the dart was passing overhead. I think Crowhammer are playing Unshaw in Dublin on March 3rd. That's what I took from the very end of the chat. You'll hear it as well. Hopefully they'll have more gigs lined up for 2023 as well. Who knows? Maybe there might even be a second album this year as well. But Volume 1 Tales from Vertexia is absolutely brilliant. Play it very loud and buy it at crowhammer.bandcamp.com. Let's listen to a bit more of Radiant Silver Gun and you'll hear the lads introduce themselves then so that you can get acquainted with their voices 
and at the end of the episode to close out we'll hear one of the tracks from the album Brontanosaurus it's a crunchy one and occasionally guitar as well. I'm Tom, I play drums and vocals. Uh, I'm Bobby, I play guitar and uh, I always get two flat whites. Oh, okay, okay. Are, you, are they both for you? Yeah, this morning. <laughs> you woke yeah. up a little bit later than the rest. I woke up at normal time, really. <laughs> <laughs> and I got two flat whites and here I am. <laughs> so Tom, you're a drummer and singer. Straight away, that strikes me as controversial. I know people who hate uh, <laughs> when I'm one the drummer them. sings. Yeah, yeah. I think uh, we all have antipathy for it in some, in some way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It wasn't, it wasn't intentional. It was, uh, I don't know, I think we were just jamming and then I was messing with stuff. And then, because at the start we were kind of just an instrumental band. And then I guess I got bored, so I started singing the words Wizard and Flame over and over again. And then, yeah, ended up in the singer. <laughs> but, uh, yeah. Was it that all of you got bored of playing the instrumental music and you were like, oh, we need some vocals over this, or? I don't really know, like, if if we ever, there hasn't been a lot of, uh, you know, conceptual, like, we didn't set out to do anything in particular and all just sort of uh, happened. I don't remember when you started setting up a microphone, I really don't. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it was maybe the second or third jam. So, yeah, so yeah. from pretty early on he was, he was singing. Yeah, yeah. kind of. Oh? Oh, okay. <laughs> I would say vocals instead yeah, of singing. Just sort of, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Channeling something. I think if you say singing, it, it creates <laughs> an expectation that I can't live up to. But if you say vocals, it's kind of vague enough. Like an expectation of narrative? Or an of expectation melody? of tune, yeah. tuning. <laughs> but yeah. Vocalist, then, not a singer. Yeah, vocalist, yeah, yeah. How hard is it for a drummer to start singing? It's, it's, uh, yeah. Well, it was difficult for me because I never, I hadn't done it before, but, uh, so that's why, like on the on the album, there's not that much vocals on it, really. Um, I and then the more I've done it, uh, I've gotten better at it. So like the newer songs that we've written since the album have a bit more vocals, but uh, I mean it's no different than like guitar and singing. I guess yeah, it's just an extra ball to juggle in the air. But like yeah, it's it's not. Uh, it was annoying at the start, but now I like it. So very good. Um, the debut album is called volume one tales from vertexia it came out on january 1st maybe let's start right there at the start of the year why did you decide to release it on january 1st <laughs> <laughs> well we started recording it eight and a half years ago <laughs> and uh i guess it was like finished two yeah it was like middle of, or it was like august of 2020 yeah. i think it was finished so it had been finished for a while and i guess we we didn't know what to do with it like or how to release it and like we, we were talking about doing it as a vinyl release originally but i don't know i guess we just wanted to get it out so first of january seemed like as good as time as any to put it out just for the it was more of a purge than a release yeah yeah, yeah i was <laughs> thinking that that like it, it's almost like weighing on your shoulders like what oh are yeah we supposed i, I to don't do know i don't know about that but it was definitely like an emotional bottleneck for me like, oh, i just need to release it you know yeah so you can yeah. move on to the next thing so exactly, we've done that yeah. now yeah. and january 1st is a good day for um 
you know it's like a, a rebirth yeah, yeah 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 there you go yeah. yeah people looking around for new music and straight away right at the yeah. start of the year for their hungover heads yeah. yeah and it seems intentional like it seems like we had a plan yeah yeah. Like, <laughs> i think like it was like two days before it was like we put it in the first oh really was yeah. it that late yeah, yeah, I think so. yeah. <laughs> if he hadn't said it like a probably it wouldn't it wouldn't be out wouldn't be yeah. out yeah. nor would it be coming out but. so it's only up on Bandcamp, i think was it intentional not putting it on spotify it's just um, or, or is it just a case a of like we've had yet uh we probably will i don't know what's involved in oh, that i'm from like. mayo so i'm deeply suspicious of all kind of new technologies <laughs> and um spotify would come under that uh, category I don't really understand it. I hear terrible things about it. I'm I'm sure it's very convenient and everything, but it's not really in my life. So. Oh, you don't subscribe. I don't subscribe. Wow, you're one of the the stay awares. Yeah. Me yeah. too. Really. But not out of any like uh, like I subscribe to one of the other competitive streaming services. Oh, okay. No. Title? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I I wouldn't want to give them any kind of. <laughs> yeah. If they want to sponsor. Yeah. Me, if they want to give them any <laughs> money, then you tell you who it is. Are, are you on? Uh, Spotify? Yeah, I am, yeah. I kind of, I was for ages and then I got rid of it kind of, you know, because of like, it's just another subscription thing that you have that you kind of, you know, that's draining your resources or whatever. But uh, yeah, I don't know. Ideologically, I'm not a big fan of it or whatever, but like... Uh, but you came back I, to it? Yeah, I did. They got me with one of those offers where it's like, we'll give you three months for oh, a tenner okay. and I was like, yeah, fuck it. And then, Is there not loads of stuff missing off it? Uh, like things like that you, you might come across the odd thing, but like there generally... Was, yeah. Like ninety percent of the time, it's there. It's there. Yeah, you know, like Prince wasn't on it, but now it is, so it's okay. Yeah. How did he negotiate that deal from Beyond the Grave? Well, his people did. His, his people did. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Did you miss it when you weren't on Spotify? Kind That's of. what I always wonder. Like, you know, yeah. can you actually cut the cord and be okay? Well, like, I used to be big into like having an MP3 player with like tons of stuff on it that I'd like gone from obscure corners in the, with the internet, and I was like proud of my little archive of stuff that I had or whatever and then I kind of that was like like stopped doing that when Spotify came along and then when it went again I just like had stuff on my phone but I was like listening to the same stuff over and over again which is cool because like you know you're you're forced to listen to like the same Neil Young album like 12 times in the course of like a couple of weeks or whatever but by the 11th time you really get it like yeah, yeah. Really <laughs> nice, you know. so it's kind of good I kind of like that in a way like it you know there are disadvantages you're really to having ready for everything the country. at your fingertips and also disadvantages to that in a way as well because you listen to something once you're like oh cool like you bang a like on it and it's on your list of stuff and then you never really go back to it again or whatever so yeah yeah I kind of feel like you know bands like say you guys like independent bands or you know um not going to make millions off spotify i don't think anyway you know uh i i kind of don't really know why they'd bother putting it on spotify at this stage anyway just leave well, it if up. it's available in one place and you can google it and it gets you there i don't really see what it would add or give the likes of us you know what i mean i don't th- i don't know like maybe people even if you were just you listening to it going to work or something or if it was if it came into your sphere of awareness that way i still think you could just go to the band camp just as easily as i don't know putting it on a playlist on spotify or something you know i think as well when you put it on Bandcamp, you have kind of complete control over everything and you get to you know have more uh ownership of the process whereas i think putting it on spotify it's like i don't know throwing a sausage up o'connell street or something like that like <laughs> Uh, and even 10 people buying the album that on, might not, on sorry I, I don't know if that uh, analogy is <laughs> yeah. it's the first time I've used it hers to describe yeah, that yeah. situation yeah, no, yeah. well I just meant I, I meant throwing something minuscule into a vast amount of space yeah, and it's sure, kind of yeah. I don't know there's something kind of I'll question it's your gone, it's gone. integrity yeah. if that's not the title of the, no. of the thing though. <laughs> Crowhammer throw a sausage up on the street. No, but even 10 people buying the album on Bandcamp is probably more than you'd make on Spotify. 100%. Oh, even definitely. For, even yeah. for like, you know, a, a bigger act, I think, you know. 100%. And if somebody buys something on Bandcamp, then you, you, like, you have direct access to message them when you have the next thing up or to make them aware of like whatever the band is doing next. Like, there's more communication with people that listen to your stuff than on Spotify, you know. Because I think even with Spotify, now I'm speaking to somebody that's never put music on Spotify, so I'm not entirely sure of the process, but 
I think don't you have to go through like a third party or like an inter- intermediary that like puts it up on that. And Joe Rogan, they, I think, is it? Yeah, prob- yeah. probably. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so I don't know. I mean, like we're not uh, ethically opposed to putting it up on Spotify, but like I'd, I'd say more people are getting ethically opposed because of like Joe Rogan and stuff. You know, yeah, I, th- I, think I think that it's I think that's had a, a fair bit of a dirty enough. reputation. You know, <clears throat> wasn't there? Was there? Was it Neil Young or no? It was. Um, wasn't there some musician who came out and pointed out how much money they had made from it? Was uh, oh, was it uh, Frampton? Peter Frampton. Oh, really? Yeah. Huh. Oh, he had made Don't like much a, Peter Frampton talk on yeah, the podcast. It's he made a tiny amount of money from "Ooh, Baby, I Love Your Way" or something, yeah, yeah, which yeah. had been played billions of times. You know, and if it was like, if this is what Peter Frampton can, you can got like make from Spotify, then the rest yeah. of us are doomed. Like, you know, are you still going to do a vinyl release? Do you think or? We'd love to. I'd love to, yeah. Yeah. Love to. Yeah. I think it's just the expense involved and also then, you know, the reality of like probably having like boxes and boxes exactly, of records yeah, in the studio. Yeah. Yeah. And we've also like we've got another album written. So I think at the moment we want to get that done and that's kind of the focus. Yeah. yeah. And if we had a choice of putting something on vinyl, probably be the next thing. Yeah. Um Duplication is one of the least exciting parts of being in a band <laughs> experience. <laughs> Duplication is one of the least exciting parts of being in the band. Uh, <laughs> followed, clo- followed closely by talking about duplication. Yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, vinyl releases are kind of like the other side of Spotify as well. If Spotify is only like a tenner a month, a record now is like at least 20 euro, if not right. like like Taylor Swift is like 40 euro, I think, for her right, new album. Okay. For her album? Really? On, on vinyl, yeah, yeah. On vinyl, okay, okay. It's probably a nice gatefold thing. Is though. it a double album, maybe, or something? Or triple um, album? I don't think so. No, no, I don't think but, it, double but you know, it comes in all different colours and stuff. Red Hot Chili Peppers are doing that as well. I mean, I'm big into when things are are doubled. You know, <laughs> <laughs> it just feels like an extra <laughs> pointing at the flat we'll yeah, yeah. <laughs> But um, but no, I, I haven't I, had the second one yet. I'm gonna I'm gonna crack open number two shortly here. <laughs> Man, by the end of the podcast, you're going to be I'm going buzzed. to be awake. Yeah. <laughs> um, the album is brilliant. I don't think I've uh, said it yet. Do you want to talk about maybe the um, ideas behind it? The many, many ideas and references, which I I don't think I actually know any of the references. So we I might just think, talk I don't through. think any of the three of us know them all. <laughs> we can do a deep dive on it. There's plenty of Easter eggs in there. I mean, did it actually start eight and a half years ago or... When, yeah. when, when did it start to take shape? No, it probably started, started nine, it, yeah. Yeah, nine years ago, I'd say. Well, we, Snake Pit, me and you used to... Yeah, yeah. me and Bob used to live together and uh, maybe, I don't know, it was during the recession when we were both unemployed at one time and we ended up just recording a song, and then we were, uh, which was Snake Pit, which is on the album, and then we were decided, we, we were talking about getting a band together and then we, Ivan came in and... But in terms of like the story, like I think it kind of came together like gradually, like just as a bit of a a lark. Yeah. Uh, the the overall um, Crowhammer project. Well, specifically like having a story for the songs oh, between right. between the between the songs, because um, we kind of just, I think we we'd write a song, and then talk about how it could tie into the story. But like I don't know. If the, the three of us probably have different ideas of what the story is, you know. We like we keep it broad enough uh, on the album, you know. Like the it, it's fairly uh, there's just little bits and pieces of it on there. But I'd say yeah, we all have a different kind of I'll idea. Some, of I'll the sometimes of it. start talking about what I think happens in the story, and then I look at the lads, and they'll both be looking at their feet. <laughs> <laughs> um, will, I re- will I read out the description of the album um, just so people know it's the debut narrative driven concept album from Crowhammer in a far off galaxy an evil wizard has unleashed a deadly virus on the planet Vertexia so is Vertexia from something or did you make it up For at the start we used to tell people that we had a kind of um, or I used to tell people anyway that we had a, a machine that we used for divination you know that we <coughs> uh that was able to kind of harness planetary ley lines, you know? It was just, it, like, people would ask questions about the song or something, and rather than ask, or rather than give a sincere answer, I just would bullshit about it. Yeah, I think people are going to have a lot of uh, questions as they come to the album over the over the course of the year. I mean, there is a, there is a, a semblance of a narrative in there. I don't know, like, because we're so close to it, it's impossible to tell how easy it is to follow. 
Mm. Yeah. I think it kind of like came together over like where we would come to practice and spend like three hours sitting around chatting and like just a lot of like it would sort of like the concept of it or the narrative of it would sort of like expand and it was like sort of amorphous and would change and shift and stuff like that. But you know, it's like a classic uh, good versus evil, light and darkness kind of story. Yeah. Right? Yeah, because yeah. I think we've all been in bands where we wrote songs about more specific real world things. And uh, it's very freeing to be able to just deal in epic scale, you know what I mean? With what you're, the, the, the things that the songs are connoting to rather than like, oh, I feel sad today because yeah. uh, the sky outside is grey <laughs> and there's a recession or something. Yeah. You know, as much as I love I think it's like a good too. song. Yeah, yeah. But uh, yeah, I think we're all into like, you know, video games or movies or books or whatever that deal with like fantasy and sci-fi and stuff like that. And like anything with lore. Yeah, yeah. Like you know, anything with like deep reserves of like you know whatever characters and places. Just lore, yeah. lore, lore so in general. Yeah. So Vertexia is Vertexia from something? It's from I think Tom's mind. I think it's from my mind. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I just I don't know. I don't know. Like, it just popped popped in there. Don't know what it means or anything. But there's more overt references. The first one, Radiant Silvergun, is a a spaceship from a game called Radiant Silvergun on the Sega Saturn. Which uh, big fan of that. I don't know. I don't think I know that game. I didn't have a Saturn when I was growing up. I had a Mega Drive. But oh, snap. I, don't I, don't, remember. I don't know. There is also Silvergun. there's a kind of a covert Sonic the Hedgehog reference. And uh, oh yeah, we don't speak about that though. Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. Sorry. <laughs> Wait, is Sonic not cool enough? Or? No, no, it's cool. It's don't want to get sued by Sega. So <laughs> I don't think Sega, Sega have Sega. the litigation clout that they that they mm, maybe I once have had. We wouldn't want to tempt fate though. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, continuing the uh, the narrative, what? Why did you want to um, make a con? Is it a concept album, Tom? Yeah, if it's from your mind. Well, like I've always liked the idea of uh, telling stories through songs. Um, when I was young, my, I was in my next door neighbor's house, and I, they had a record collection, and uh, I was going through. It. I remember seeing the cover of Jeff Wayne's War of the Worlds, and. Uh, as a kid, like it actually ter- terrified me, like this the imagery on the cover, and then listening to it, and I like it's the first time I'd ever heard an album that told a story, and it was like a sci-fi story. So as a kid, I was all about it. But uh, you were also chastised for playing it repeatedly in Terror Records. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I used to play it every day in Terror Records when I worked there, and uh, I got banned from doing it. But I just yeah, just generally I like the idea of telling a story. I just think it's like interesting but it's also like i think it's kind of silly and fun in a way as well which i kind of i like kind of gives you a leeway to do or to to to, or access to a whole kind of range of music that you wouldn't do if it was something autobiographical you were writing about i think which is very freeing if you're playing guitar or bass i think you know to be like oh it can be evocative of all this kind of um epic kind of um, prog music or something, you know, in a way that it would be kind of naff if you tried to do it and then fold a normal, or not normal, but a more conventional song over the top of. be more difficult to make it cohere. I think yeah. there's a lot of, like, homage and pastiche going on yeah. in general, you know. On the album. Yeah. 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 Such as? I guess, like, some tropes you know just like tropes in there like even like the stuff like of a wizard like i think like with like how many prog albums have wizards been in you know but like i i i like playing around with that kind of stuff and i think the lads do too yeah there's something kind of tantalizing about a wizard yeah they're cool like (laughs) somebody with secret knowledge yeah and then like there's like musical tropes in there as well uh or homages or pastiche or whatever yeah that's um, like there's a little bit of sonic the hedgehog um, I guess there's a bit in Wizard that's kind of like a My Bloody Valentine yeah. nod. There's bits that are kind of like the Melvins or something. Yeah, maybe. or do, what's do you know that there's like a it's like a patchwork qu- quilt of like oh, kind of sounds familiar. When bands do this kind of dynamic, we we like it <coughs> or something, you know. Yeah, and then because you're putting the kind of I don't know the the fantastical lore stuff on the top, it makes it more or less. Um, 
that's kind of cringe inducing for us to have to you know stand behind it or something you know there's there's dubious sincerity unreliable narrators <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah 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 did did when you were starting out like starting with the singing were you thinking more con you know it would be more conventional or did you always think you'd make this type of album no i think we always knew it'd be pretty out there yeah because like i like yeah i wouldn't like i'm not uh i wouldn't be like comfortable singing in a a genuine way or wait wait, not genuine in an earnest way uh but i think because like i'm like i'm not a i'm not a singer singer you know but like i there's definitely like things that i like to play around with that we start doing live just because i thought it would be kind of different to what people would normally hear gigs kind of more like uh chanting and kind of i don't know using like a different kind of voice to my own uh just kind of theatrical theatrical dynamics that's, that's in, perfect in, word, in his vocalizing yeah. Yeah. yes and so you you mentioned the recession already kind of formed in the recession is that kind of was that just uh almost out of boredom that you're kind of like let's get together let's try and make something i always enjoy i guess talking to bands who kind of formed around then because you always hear about oh you know in times of great economic uh crises good art comes together is that how you kind of look back with you know a lot of hindsight to the recession well it was actually i I think it's uh it's it's no coincidence the three of us were on the dole when we started i remember yeah i remember being shot down with an idea i had to use (laughs) our three dole cards lined up on a table as um as promotional material yeah Yeah. I was, it was was only because there was going to be spliffs with the double cards on the nose. Yeah, Yeah. I just thought the combination of the two things was, and and there was background music of Billy Stewart's Fat Boy. Yeah, Yeah. it was a tight little piece of VT. But anyway, we decided against it. But the the salient point for this conversation is that, yeah, we were both on the, or all three of us were on the dole that time. When was this, like 2010? 2011. Was it? Oh, it was around around then, yeah. About when I think our first gig was 2013. It was so yeah. maybe mm. a year before that, maybe 2011, 2012. Yeah. I think we did. We already have actually no. It was 2011. I think yeah, yeah. yeah. But yeah, we were we had a rehearsal room up in Fibsborough, I think at the start, and um, we were we were paying to use it with other bands. So the place was there. The gear was there. It was so we you know those things were. They and we had free time. And we had lots of free time, yeah. 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 So, um Was I were we still living together at that point in time? Can't remember. Where, yeah, I, think, yeah. I think so, yeah. Yeah. In 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 Phillipsburg Avenue. Do you think that's important for a band, like to have that kind of time together, like, you know, time away from say making music together? Uh, it depends on the band. I think some bands there'll be one person who does the majority of the composition and they can bring it in and then the band work on it together <clears throat> in those circumstances i don't think they need to be in each other's pockets but um i think the fact that we like i've lived with both of them at different times and i think that had a, a lot to do with um chemistry like musical chemistry and stuff like now when we write music we just kind of can improvise together and yeah. it took us a good few years to be comfortable to do that yeah yeah um but it is kind of about f- the when I whenever I listen back to those um, improvised rehearsals, I always think, um, "How did he know I was going to change then, or how did I know that he was going to do that?" But like, it's just from um, repeating the process over and over again, you start to like anticipate and second guess each other. Um, so it takes a while, kind of thing, for a band to. <laughs> I don't to know. Find I think like we're all we're all self taught. I think pretty much you you were in the Arte and Boys band, but like I don't I'm not really sure oh, how, wow. much, how much crossover there is between the, between that and Vertexia. There was more wizard shit in that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, wizard lore in the in the in the, the Arte and Boys. What's band. the Arte and Boys band like? Uh, Puritanical, I, from what I hear. It was it was grand. I mean, I got to learn an instrument at a young age, which is like brilliant in Drums. retrospect. No, I learned I played trumpet in in that. Um, but I mean, it's just it's just it's like going to another school after you finish school you know so you, you go to school all day and then you go to another school for a couple of hours so when you hit the teenage years it's you know you start thinking it's shit and you wonder you know get out of it or whatever like but like yeah in retrospect it was good to do and i got to go to like america and wow 
Uh, this is the dream. Got to be in a U2 music video. Wow. Played on stage with Bon Jovi. Can you guess which one it is? <laughs> um, is that is it that one where Bono is going through the streets? That's the one, yeah. 90, uh, Sweetest thing. Sweetest thing, yeah. that's it. I always, I always think it's called, like, I'm sorry or something. Because yeah, wasn't yeah, it an yeah. apology to yeah. his wife yeah. for something? Mm-hmm. I yeah. always remember that they had the Celtic Knights on the video, which were like... Uh, K-N-I-G-H-T-S? Yeah. Oh. They were like uh, <laughs> the Irish Chippendales. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. There's one of them was on the front of the fire truck, like yeah, work, like, <laughs> yeah. working out. Irish Chippendales. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. There's another title for you. Yeah. Do you still play the trumpet? Yeah, but not like not as much um, as I did. I would, like there's a new song that we've written that has uh, a trumpet intro to it, but an outro and an outro. Yeah, mm. Jesus. Book yeah. ended by trumpet. Yeah, book ended by trumpet. Yeah, but uh, yeah, no, I like I don't play as much as I'd like, but that's. Yeah, still there to be used you know and Bon Jovi as well just finally tell me about uh, that a little bit more well they they were playing and I think it was I don't know it was maybe Lansdowne Road and they wanted a, a marching band to come on stage to I don't know I, I don't know many Bon Jovi songs I think is it Lay Your Love On Me or something like that that's, that's ABBA. ABBA oh yeah uh, it's something anyway I don't know but they wanted a, they wanted a, so we, like we came out it was too a backing track so, so you know, I feel... Don't be giving away John's <laughs> secrets now. <laughs> yeah, we, yeah, we, yeah. Oh, we will get litigated. But uh, one of the trumpet, one of the other trumpet players was picked to... Uh, there's like a trumpet solo in the back and track and he had to go out and like drop to his knees and give it loads, you know, well. But uh, I wasn't. I wasn't wow. selected for that, but yeah. That was, it was grand. How got did they not, how got did to meet Bon Jovi. Who, who was the guy they did pick to do that? <laughs> yeah, like? He was brilliant. Like. <laughs> trumpet he? player now. Do you have brilliant, brilliant trumpet chops? Brilliant at miming. <laughs> Uh, were you guys playing in other bands back around them back in like 2011, 13? No, this was the this was the first time I played in. Uh, it was the first band I I ever played in, so I came to a little, a little bit later than the lads. But like I, you know, had a lot of like bedroom hours vlogged, like playing Nirvana songs as a teenager. I was so. forged in the fire of teenage cover bands in Mayo. Um, and then, I mean, that prepares you for anything, you know. <laughs> That's all I have to say about the gauntlet. Yeah, I was I was playing in a few bands. Um, I think at the time I was playing in a band called Bridges of Madison County, and then I was playing in another band called the Jimmy Cake. Um, I think that was it. oh yeah, and Nippons. Nippons is like a band I I was in with friends from that I met from from college times. Uh, do bits and pieces here and there, but yeah. What what's the status of the other two bands, Bridges of Madison County? They put out two two albums. Is it? We did, we did an album and an EP, but um, like here on the guitar and vocalist, he lives in London now and he's got Shout a family and stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And Paul, I don't know any bands. How many bands is Paul in now? I'd say a conservative estimate. He has to be close to 15. 15, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think we counted them for Conor Hickey one, one time and it was yeah. 26 bands. All right. So <laughs> Paul, Paul can't be fair behind that. Yeah. So they're both, uh, they're all in hiatus is what I would say. Yeah. <laughs> and the Jimmy Cake? Similarly, hi- hiatus as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I don't know. We haven't talked. We have. We haven't like discussed doing it in a while. But yeah, never say never. But yeah. Okay, Jimmy Cake seemed like a big influence on a lot of bands. I guess in this type of genre as well. Like, I mean, ten years ago you had Richter Collective, which almost yeah. specialized in this sort of like heavy rock music. Um, I mean, I guess that that's kind of what you were thinking about back at the start of the band, was it? Kind of that era of music. Well, I remember seeing um, Hungry Ghosts on No Disco when yeah, I was a teenager, same. and like, blew my mind. Yeah, it blew my mind, but it also made me think, oh wow, there's probably cool music in Dublin, you know, that yeah. I don't know about. Yeah, yeah, and, totally. uh, It turned same. out there wasn't. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I was the same. Yeah, I, 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 I was a fan of the Jimmy Cake, and then uh, Redneck Manifesto. I think Redneck Manifesto yeah. was the first Irish band that I heard that had done like music that I hadn't heard before a- anywhere um, and then from that I got into like loads of instrumental post-rock stuff Godspeed You Black Emperor was a huge one back in the day but, lots uh, of Irish bands as well like yeah. I was really I, I started going to gigs in like the Bellow Bar and all in 2008 and I really liked um, Pterodactyl yeah and uh, really liked early BC Shank gigs as well who else was good that time that we used to go and see? Jesus. 
was the nostalgia <coughs> bubble. There's loads. Yeah, hands up, Legion of Two, Legion of Two, yeah. Uh, Jimmy Kick Gigs, obviously. Yeah, there was lots of stuff that was like uh, domestically based that was really um, interesting or kind of stimulating, and we kind of like, oh, you can do this kind of stuff. Never would have guessed that or something yeah. like that. Like the first time I saw a pterodactyl, I thought it was very uniquely Irish sounding even though it was kind of like a heavy four piece you know there was something very uh, earthy about it you know so if like if everybody kind of gathered around Victor Collective back in like 2010 2012 and that kind of felt like a scene does it still feel like there's a scene now like there seems like there's um, it feels like I'm hearing fewer rock albums maybe that's why yours kind of stands out because it is like you know kind of a big rock album that's, for lack the, of genius. A better that's the genius of waiting eight and a half years <laughs> to yeah, 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 yeah. but like no spill blood as well they've got they've got a new album coming out as well but i don't know if i could name like 10 bands sort of thing you know i think there's probably a handful in ireland that we would consider kind of peers just because they're either friends of ours or we've played gigs with them i would consider no spill blood in that hands up and maybe like 10 past seven from yeah, ten past seven still going From as well. Perry, they put yeah. out a brilliant album a couple of years they ago. They put out brilliant albums kind of regularly, yeah. Wild and Rocket as well. Wild Rocket. Percolator. Percolator. Yeah. yeah. Percolator is Spud's band. A lot of it's kind of centered for for uh, just in terms of uh, the people that we know around this complex here. Uh, I don't think that's accidental, you know. Like uh that you make like heavier music. Well, just that the people that gravitate towards that end of the spectrum are kind of based in this place or kind of uh, cooperate or, or, you know, um, it feels like you're swimming in the same part of the pool together, you know. Um, I think that kind of collaboration is necessary because even the difference in, t- in terms of how many venues there were to play in the recession, you would think, oh, now that the kind of economic fortunes have recovered, that there'd be more venues and more places to play, but it's the opposite, right? So, like, we used to play a lot in the joinery, uh, we played in the Cork print shop in, in Cork, obviously. Um, what other places did we play in that are kind of gone now? There's lots of them. There was that one, I think it was called like Citation. Citation, yeah. That's Citation, yeah. Yeah. In Little Britain Street that was on, wasn't it? Yeah, there was another place that I can't remember. Well, there was well. a photo just this morning of us playing in the March in Rathmines. The March in Rathmines. I think that's still around, but I think they don't. They don't, yeah. It was probably a bad idea having <laughs> yeah. there anyway. I think we could be heard in the little uh, down the road. But uh, the point I'm making, I suppose, is that like there was, apart from all the people and the bands that were, um, that you might kind of loosely group together, there was venues as well. And uh, this is probably around 2012, 13. And a lot of them have kind of closed because of, um, you know, just how how much value is now associated to land and redeveloping it. So it kind of feels like there's less and less places to play. And as a result, you kind of have to um, figure out with people you know oh god you know where did you play and how did you end up playing there or whatever yeah it's the small like the small venues are are becoming uh jigsaw is another one few and far between jigsaw's gone as well yeah like small venues see with us because play to you know not massive crowds you know or anything but uh like i think it's definitely negative that they're going away you know because I don't know what's going to be left in, in the wake of that. But at the same time, like, you know, we're in our late 30s and I'm sure there's, like, all these scenes of younger bands. Yeah, that, I feel know. extremely out of touch. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Not that I was ever really in touch, but, <laughs> like, I at least had somewhat of an idea of what was going on, but I don't have a clue anymore. Yeah, I'm I'm from Cork, like, so, um, you know, there's always a ve- there's always been a venue crisis in Cork. I don't really? know if there's ever been a time when people have been, like... <clears throat> oh yeah, the venues are all fine in Cork. You I know, remember, everyone I is always reading complaining. an article after Sample Studios got knocked. Do you remember their um, just oh yeah yeah because um, they had artists in like all of that building while they were waiting for it to get knocked. It was an even even an Echo article actually, and uh, when they when they wrote it all down, the amount of places that had gone. Like we played in. Uh, oh no, we didn't actually play in Myrtleville, did we? You played at Bridges Madison County, yeah. and I played with Chirps out there. But that was another place. Oh for example, yeah, yeah, that was a great place. On. It was a, it was a deadly place to go. Yeah, it was amazing, yeah. amazing. Um, there was that place. There was the print shop. We used to play a lot in Mister Bradley's in Cork. Yeah, oh, the yeah, Quad yeah. Uh, was another one that closed. Um, the Quad felt like a big loss. All right. Yeah. yeah, when you do start to list them, you do realise, wow. Yeah, and I'm, I'm, I know I'm forgetting a few more as well. Um, 
that we went to. But like <coughs> the, the venues that are left, I mean, I, I couldn't imagine us playing in Collins or something. Do you know what I mean? It just feels like it would be uh, inappropriate or something. Yeah, like I mean, Plugged is still going. Um, if it wasn't for Jimmy, you know, so many bands so wouldn't have, wouldn't Plugged, be getting yeah. their first gigs. Yeah. yeah. Did that downstairs room in the Triscoll as well? I remember putting Brad Bridges Madison County on in there and thinking this is a deadly room for yeah. for music. Why aren't there more gigs on in here? I think somebody said to me since that like the the theatre kind of people in the, the Triscoll had a had a kind of oh, yeah. Uh, better not get into that. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, I'm, ca- I'm calling them out. I'm calling out the theatre people in court. <laughs> um, put on, put on more psych rock music in the Triscoll, please. <laughs> back to back to Crowhammer. How come? You, you know, you mentioned kind of sitting on the album and stuff. How come it didn't come out in like 2015, 2016? <laughs> That's a really good question. Because uh, I think we... as Do you, do you uh, think it could have? Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs> you could be on like your fifth I'd, album. I'd, I'd bloody love if it came out in 2015. Uh, no, I just like... We, as three people, you know, we have our... Uh, <laughs> Ian as well is, is relevant because I think he was... It was the first... Ian Chestnut. Ian Chestnut, yeah. It was the first album he... Full-length full album he recorded and... It was not long after the studio was set up next door, so... Yeah, it was like every time they got a new piece of gear, it was yeah. like, oh, we're going to run it through this thing. Yeah, this thing is really good. We should we should put all the stuff we did through that and see what happens, you know? And then it would happen again, like, three months later. Mm. And, yeah. yeah. And to be fair, I, there was usually, like, um, you were... It did feel like it was it was gaining momentum every time you tried a new technique or we got a new piece of gear in there. What was ga- the band was gaining momentum. Just, just the quality it, of the album it has an album because yeah. I think like when we first like they they are the first glut of songs that we wrote you know so I think in retrospect when we went into the studio with them like you know they weren't like they were you know they were finished in inverted commas but like I I definitely think you know Ian had a lot of um, kind of the same reference points that we had for the album and like we he would be into the same music so there was definitely a lot of um, bringing more out of the album through the process but that, that obviously meant that it made it go on you know longer because like you know especially when it gets to the point where you've been working on it for like a year or two you know you're a different person and you're into different things so you might be like oh i wouldn't mind going back to that tune and putting this synthesizer line on it or you know or especially when you listen to things and you like you're overly analyzing them you might be like oh i don't like what i did there is there a way to redo it and i guess like given how much like ian gave to the process and like it definitely like it was good in that we were able to do everything that we wanted and we were able to like continuously tinker with it but um there was no kind of like well it has to be done by this station and that's it so that's probably a bad thing though as well isn't it not having a deadline yeah, I mean, like, like, I, yeah, I can see the arguments either way. Like, I definitely think, like, if it had come out in 2015, it wouldn't, like, it, it wouldn't, wouldn't be sound good. as good. It yeah. wouldn't sound as good. I think yeah. we were all recording other albums at the same time as well, which is a mistake. Like, in Next Door, at this, I can think there was the Jimmy Cake album was being recorded. The Chirps album was being recorded. Uh, you were doing Vatican II album. All of them were, like long-term-ish projects hands up wants to die album is another one they were all kind of ongoing yeah so maybe we 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 might want to get in and do reamp guitars or something and it'd be like oh no the lads are in doing this next week and there was a there was a bit of that going on you know in terms of um five or six different bands that were all recording various different long player albums next door that required a lot of work for one reason or another like they were they had like a lot of dense audio on them the katie cam album was another one um and and all of those albums i think took several years to record i don't think there's any of them where they got in and out i think it's it's partly symptomatic of having to find your own space to record albums and um then working with ian or spudge you, you needed to wait for them to be free and 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 available to do the work so uh, it's partly just like to go back to what you were saying about oh does it feel like a scene or a group um it did kind of when we were recording the album because all of those things yeah. were happening at geographically the same time. it does <laughs> yeah geographically and maybe chronologically as well you know like the variety of these bands were at the same juncture where they were recording like a 
not just albums, but pretty long or ambitious albums in terms of their scale or scope, you know. So I think that that's partly explains uh, why it took so, it took yeah. so long. But uh, yeah, no, I think it's like definitely the best sounding possible version of the album. Like you know, so it's like I don't regret it having taken that long. I'm like, that's as long as it took, and it sounds really good, and that's deadly. Yeah. But yeah, I think to the listener, if it had come out in you know any form previously or this they wouldn't really it would have probably had somewhat the same impact but like it's nice for us to know that like it is the best possible version that it could be yeah yeah do you know what i mean i think the only it only really became an issue for me anyway i can only speak for myself was when like we had written enough music for the follow-up album and then it's a case of like well it would be mental to even record the second album without <laughs> putting out the first one. That's so. probably the single most significant thing that contributed to the album coming out. I'd say, yeah, is that we had probably two albums. Yeah, we have stuff. like more than an album. We have an album like that in mind that we're going to record this year, and then there's like probably two or three movie. surplus tunes to that. Yeah, yeah. So obviously, want to get going on that before we die. So <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, but I think we've kind of agreed that we're gonna approach it differently where we're going to be like where we are going to do this to a deadline or yeah. go into it at least yeah. with the best of intentions of just like five years this time yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah. i mean it's an improvement yeah. yeah we have a lessons learned document yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. So. do you actually uh, sure yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, i haven't shown the lads yet but, uh, <laughs> lessons learned dot doc <laughs> um tell me about uh ian has he done a lot of is he recorded a lot of music here or in general well, I, I live with Ian, um, oh, okay. and he was recording music as recently as last night in his bedroom, I can confirm. Um, but inside, inside track. Yeah. I remember uh, the first time I saw him was playing with his band Percolator in Waterford. And oh, he's in Percolator he's in as Percolator, well. Oh, yeah. okay. And just it's thinking, all coming together. Yeah, oh, yeah. Just like there was nobody else really doing that kind of guitar sound, you know, like the Sonic Youth um, kind of Autolux thing. Of like big blurry kind of fuzzy guitars and I'm really into that dynamic and I think we all got friendly with them from playing gigs with Percolator maybe or something or they moved up to Dublin anyway all three of them eventually from um, Waterford from Waterford yeah. yeah I think my first interaction with Ian was when I unwittingly stole the can off him at a party and <laughs> he said to you that nerd just that stole, stole my beer <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> So I had not actually talked to him at that point. Yeah, because oh, yeah. obviously it cut me to the quick. And also, I, you know, I felt like an asshole for stealing a beer. Did you ever give him back another beer or anything like I'm that? Sure like is, it, is it still time. a debt that you have to repay? Yeah, Maybe. you're, you're we, still in we, the red we, perk later. We gave him the Crowhammer gig. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That was our gift to him. To yeah. up to him. That's great. Sorry for stealing your beer. Yeah. I'll uh, go on the record and say <laughs> I apologize. What other bands has he recorded? He did the Disco Participation Matrix, which was um, members of Private Underground, Underground Residence. Oh, wow. Uh, also from Cork. Yeah. And, or, or technically, I suppose, Mac is from Limerick. But yeah. I would consider them a Cork yeah, band. Cork, um, Cork what else did he do? He did lots of... He did... Did he do Vatican II? Uh, yeah, he did the Vatican II EP, uh, Squirtler. Squirtler. <laughs> you can find that on Bandcamp as well. <laughs> And uh, yeah, we did an album with him as well with Vatican Two, but it, uh, we were sort of it's in, also uh, in the process of being finished. But we recorded it like six years ago, so that's, <laughs> there you go. Yeah, he's doing bits and pieces pattern. all the time. I'm not sure things that are released as well. Like I know he mixed uh, he the Cormoran Trio album? stuff. Uh, I don't know. I think he. Yeah, no, I think it was Ian that did the shifting yeah. album as well. I think so. Yeah. Yeah. So. And I think you know he he makes um, pedals and amplifiers that have a kind of a particular character or aesthetic to them, like all the gain pedals that I use, for example, he's made them, <coughs> and I think that helps to kind of color. Like he he's made pedals for a lot of those bands that we would have talked about, like No Spill Blood, Ten Past Seven, and uh, I do feel that it gives them a kind of a not so much a, a vocabulary, but a kind of a commonality of kind of sound or kind of colours, you know, when you listen to it. There's a particular type of fuzz or tone that he's into and um I think it helps to kind of group that stuff together or give it a make it feel like it's from the same batch of something. Does Spud have much of an input into the whole album as well? 
Or is, he, or is it just that his, uh, his just okay, was Just enough? occasionally reprimanding us for not putting it out. <laughs> yeah, oh, okay. Yeah. 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 yeah I, but no, it was very much an Ian Chestnut joint, you know. Right, okay. Uh, yeah. Um, like I said, like, yeah, we had kind of similar reference points and be into similar music. So, and like, Ian is really um, obsessive when it comes to like tone and sound and uh, just you know, like how quickly he can like learn new techniques and stuff, even with like drum recording. You know, he's a massive fan of the Beatles. So he's always like trying to get like the 60s drum sound and yeah, the Niagara stuff as well, like uh, the tape. Yeah, manipulation. yeah, using tape like, delays. He recorded yeah. some pretty, um, some pretty pedestrian guitar parts that I had, uh, and put them backwards and and through uh, Leslie speakers and stuff, and made something a lot more interesting than I would have been able to do if I was just playing the guitar into the amp or whatever, you know. So all of that stuff, I think, contributes to the the overall kind of yeah and he's he's like a a really good friend as well so there's that familiarity working with with somebody like that because uh i know especially if you're like an anxious person like i would be you know uh, coming out of your shell can be tough but if it's a mate that's like recording like he's really encouraging to like try anything you know what i mean which is great great fun and it was, it he'll was, also tell you if something is shit straight away yeah yeah he'll tell you if it's shit straight away but in a way that can and has hurts really deeply but <laughs> yeah. also is really funny so it's uh, it's all good <laughs> <laughs> so um did you know like two years ago or whenever it was when you had finally put the finishing touches to it was it like one final like sample or something like that and you were like oh, no finished. no I, you, you said something once and i think it's very true that you don't finish an album you abandon it oh okay and uh, I think it like he, we could still go back in. There's uh, the, the most recent time I listened to it, I was like, oh yeah, yeah, <laughs> I'd like to fix that. But um, it, it comes to a point where it's like, look, it stopped being music to you years ago. You know, it just becomes like this, like kind of flow of sounds, and you're like, this one needs could be this way, or this this other one could be changed in this other way to make things better better than they are now but ultimately you get to a point where the, the the differences that you're making are so negligible to the overall effect of the song that you're like okay we must be at close to that point now you know well for me like up until the album comes out listening to it is like just a it's like a carousel of like your anxiety <laughs> a carousel of any like mistake or imperfection in your performance that like you're like that's all i heard Especially so when the album was taken, like, as long as it did, it, like, to the point where I was like, oh, well, that, like, that was me playing drums nine years ago. So, obviously, I feel like I've improved since then. So, there's uh, that kind of, there's that kind of aspect of it when, 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 before it's come out and you're listening to it, you're like, oh, God, I don't know, I don't know about that. Or I'd love to redo that if I could. But then, since we put the album out, I've actually, like, really enjoyed listening to it when i've listened to it a few times and i've really enjoyed it every time and it's night and day difference to having listened to it a week before coming out that's one of the strangest things i think about recording music is like as soon as it's out and you don't you no longer have any kind of editorial control over it you have a totally different experience listening to it you know because i guess subconsciously you're like well this is what everybody else is hearing when they listen to it it's not just me uh trying to make editorial choices about whether this needs to go up or that needs to go full stop or anything um once it's out in the in the ether then you just take it for what it is for better or for worse you know it sounds like you're proud of the album anyway happy happy finally with it or happy at least that it's out in the world yeah like there was you know moments during that process of getting mixes back and all that and listening back to it being like I hate the way I'm playing or I hate this about it or I don't like this about it and stuff and yeah you lose all sense of perspective and oh, yeah. you can't really evaluate it objectively anymore it sounds awful <laughs> yeah. like that it sounds so bad like, yeah you know, it's like just it like you start to really I, know, I think Ian did music. a good job of it like, <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's what I was confused yeah that's what I heard as well yeah, yeah, like, oh, alright no, like, no I just what kind of podcast yeah. is this <laughs> guys you made a shit album I'm sorry to say is this respect your honesty no but like you know um it's it's such a uh, tough reflection on yourself 
sort of thing yeah, when I'd when you feel like that. I'm I'm not, avoid I'm it. I guess all bands go person it. anyway, you know. Yeah, yeah. So I think it feeds into that as well, and you start to resent it, and you're like, I don't know, you you're like embarrassed by it, and you're like, I don't yeah, want yeah. to ever hear this or some whatever, you know. So like, it's really nice to come out the other end of it. And be yeah, like, yeah. Actually, this is good. And yeah. Like, I totally, you know. Yeah. I'm proud of this, and yeah. That's Definitely. great. Yeah. No, it does sound brilliant. I don't <laughs> just, think, I think. Just, just in case. Um, do you want to talk about the new stuff? What, what does it sound like? What can... I think yeah. we've... Do we've you continuing well, the story the genre, of the, the genre we've we've gone for is a sci-fi power disco. So... Yeah. Is that what we... Yeah, I think it's... Uh, I don't it's think we came up with that, in fairness. Somebody else did, didn't they? No, no, we did. But I think I wrote it for a gig <laughs> okay, okay. or something. Uh, I think it's gotten like more minimal in a way like there's like you know it's sort of pared down to like almost like a single idea in a song where like it's very repetitive and like you know uh, I don't know like I think when we record it it would be nice to do it in a more sort of live sounding way yeah yeah without like because as cool as all the sort of stuff going on on the first album is you know it, I think it's cool and something is just like it's like a very rich cake yeah this yeah. One, I don't know what the, this one would be I think there's a lot yeah like there's a lot more space it's a sponge or like br- yeah. breeding room for stuff on, on the new stuff like it's yeah like Ivan was saying it's more um, minimal and stripped back I think but we, I we kind think of organically moved to like listen to more like Nissan and Mondai and Scandi yeah. bands like Circle and Pharaoh Overlord and stuff where it's more about groove and like <clears throat> Some certain things revealing themselves over time. Over time, yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. That I think we find that more gratifying to listen to than maybe we did before. Yeah, yeah. I think it's. I don't know. It's more fun to play as well. I think. Yeah, because you do sort of just like get locked into the thing, and you're just sort of like, yeah, it's cool. Like, and I think that grew out of that thing of like getting to know each other better, like as human beings, because of yeah. spending a lot of time together, but playing music together as well, and like when you go in and start playing. We just would like jam stuff out and like, but just to get to that point took a really long time. So like, certain things were coming out pretty much fully formed, which like was, immediately, yeah. yeah, which is really cool. Like exci- genuinely exciting. And I was like, oh, I don't have to think about writing this. Yeah. It just kind of happened. We just have to put manners on it now. Yeah, which is much more um, rewarding or. Um, it's easier to look forward to that type of thing because it's uh, if you you know we um, we've all had the experience of like oh maybe if you do this eight times and then i'll drop i'll drop the this in after that many times that's really kind of tedious way to do it i mean it's it's how how a lot of people start doing it i guess but um once once you get to a point that you can kind of play with each other without having to say exactly what's going to happen it's a lot more fun i think isn't it yeah yeah definitely like playing the new stuff live as well i think because it's um more kind of dancey or metoric um i think i don't know it's when you kind of and a more repetitive and i think when when there's more kind of repetitive nature to it you kind of create an energy in the room which i really like that's what i love about playing the stuff live is that um you can feel the energy you give time to each idea so each idea is playing out over a longer time and <laughs> Spoiler alert: The Outlander doesn't get straight back to Vertexia straight away. Like he, he, he ends up getting, he ends up crashing on a floating city. And yeah, there's a floating city. Yeah, just, yeah. <laughs> We're proud to announce that on your podcast. Actually, <laughs> We're all as not as it seems. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> what is the deadline that you've set yourself? <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm putting you down. I like, think our deadline was to start recording it by the end of last year. Yeah. So, <laughs> but no, I like, uh, yeah, like it's, it's good to go. Like we've not been rehearsing now for a few weeks but like i think once we start practicing again for a few weeks then we'll be like okay let's go in and start recording it you know january 1st 2024 well i, I actually ideally by the end of the year yeah, hopefully yeah by out, the yeah. end of the year because like the, the songs are fully formed and it yeah. should just be a case of going in knocking them out and then yeah touch wood <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah 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 uh do you have any plans for live gigs no not nothing concrete but obviously you want to do a good bit of more do a lot more of that this year than 
we've been able to do the last couple of years, obviously. Um, we got a glut kind of from yeah. August onwards last year. We did six or seven, I think, did we? Yeah. Um, all of them in Dublin, unfortunately. So it'd be yeah. good to get. It's been a while since we played in Cork. We always really like playing in Cork. Yeah. Um, so it'd be nice to go to a couple of more places, especially now that the album is out. Um, we're playing in Ontario, aren't we, on the third of March? Oh yeah, you're fry, yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'll, I'll let Saul know. So yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm up for that. So all if you're listening, uh, we're up for that gig. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's just how the band works. That's just an <laughs> yeah. insight there into how, <laughs> or, or how, how it doesn't work. work. Yeah. <laughs> Are you up for it? <laughs> nah. Yeah. Well, uh, what else am I going to be doing? <laughs> yeah, <exactly. laughs> cool. Well, one, well, there we go. Third of March. See you in on shop. Yeah. See you there. <laughs> cool. We'll Thanks there. a lot for the chats, guys, and congrats again on the album. Thank, Thank you. Thanks Thank very you. much. Cheers. Pleasure talking to you.